This podcast is brought to you by Proton Dealership IT, the cybersecurity and IT experts committed to keeping your dealership safe from cyber attacks. To learn more about how to better protect your dealership, go to info.protontex.com slash fish. That's I-N-F-O.P-R-O-T-O-N-T-E-C-H-S dot com slash P-H-I-S-H. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, October 11th, 2023. I'm Jake Neer of Automotive News in Detroit, in for Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, GM and Unifor reach a tentative deal in Canada. Stellantis and Samsung SDI pick a spot for a second U.S. joint EV battery plant. And what's going to happen to incomplete car purchases as Shift Technologies goes out of business? We'll find out in a few minutes. Plus, the CEO of wholesale used EV site Plug joins the show to talk about how that business is changing. Electric vehicles are fundamentally different assets than combustion vehicles. However, the way that we buy and sell them today, both in a retail and wholesale context, is largely the same. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Well, the Unifor strike action against GM yesterday was short-lived, at least for now. The union has reached a tentative agreement with General Motors Canada after a strike that lasted a little more than 12 hours. It affected three of the automaker's Ontario plants that are key to its North American operations. Union President Lana Payne said the company fell in line with the pattern agreement the union set last month with Ford of Canada after putting up stiff resistance over the long Canadian Thanksgiving holiday weekend. The new tentative agreement covers nearly 4,300 hourly workers at the automaker's Oshawa assembly plant, its St. Catharines powertrain facility, and its parts distribution facility in Woodstock. The deal, which must be ratified by rank-and-file members, follows the pattern set out in the Ford deal that was approved by a slim 54% majority of members on September 24th. Unifor said the company made one concession the union had pointed to as holding up talks in the final hours before Monday's strike deadline. The use of temporary full-time workers at the Oshawa assembly plant would be fully eliminated in favor of permanent postings by 2026. And if the deal is ratified, all temporary full-timers with one year of seniority will be reclassified as permanent employees. You can find more details about the tentative agreement at autonews.com. Stellantis and Samsung SDI have picked Indiana as the site of their second joint electric vehicle battery plant. The $3.2 billion Star Plus Energy JV plant will be located in Kokomo, Indiana, next to the first battery plant under construction. The companies expect to create 1,400 jobs at the second site. Samsung SDI says... With their second joint battery factory, the two companies will have a combined annual production capacity of 67 gigawatt hours at the Indiana production site. The first joint plant is set to start production in the first quarter of 2025, and the second joint plant targets a start in early 2027. Stellantis says the total investment for both plants will be more than $6.3 billion, creating 2,800 total new jobs. 
Shift Technologies listed $240 million in liabilities and $110 million in assets in a petition filed Monday in the U.S. Bankruptcy Court for the Northern District of California. The online auto retailer filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection after it failed in a months-long reevaluation of business to secure additional funding. Meanwhile, all vehicle purchase transactions started by Shift customers but not completed with full payment or finalized financing will be canceled. That's according to a Frequently Asked Questions document on the website of Shift's claims agent. That document says purchased used vehicles will still be delivered or can be picked up, but Shift's 30-day warranty for repairs and 7-day return policy can't be used. It's not clear how many customers are affected. And Hendrick Automotive Group says Jeffrey Brown will step down as CEO of Ally Financial to become Hendrick's president on February 1st. The company is one of the country's largest privately held dealership groups. Brown will report to Hendrick Automotive chairman Rick Hendrick, who also is CEO of the dealership group giant. Hendrick said Jeffrey Brown's leadership will put the auto retailer in a position to grow. And those are today's headlines. Coming up, Plug CEO Jimmy Douglas joins the show to talk about the company's online wholesale used EV marketplace. That's next on Daily Drive. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating. But is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities. No more hesitancy, no more excuses, no more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future and we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. I said, you know, the the headline that you need is is GM believes in an all-electric future, and I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is is like, but but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they came around to that idea. Find out how and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Email phishing happens every day. Cyber criminals are out to trick your employees and coworkers into handing over valuable information that can compromise your dealership through impersonations, fake giveaways, and urgent emergency requests. All it takes is one click to shut down everything. Phishing is the leading cybersecurity concern for dealerships. Without the proper training and protection, your business is left vulnerable to ever-evolving attacks. One day you click an email, And the next thing you know, you get a call from your IT guy. Your email has been compromised, shut down immediately. Stories of attacks and their consequences come flooding in every day. And all it takes is one click to shut down your dealership. You have enough to worry about as it is. Don't add getting hacked to the list. Let Proton Dealership IT help ensure you are fully protected and learn how at info.protontext.com slash fish. That's I-N-F-O dot P-R-O-T-O-N-T-E-C-H-S dot com slash P-H-I-S-H. 
Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jake Neer with Kellen Walker. We talk a lot about the transition to electric vehicles through the lens of the new vehicle market, but more and more EVs are starting to hit used car lots as well. Jimmy Douglas says treating used EVs the same way we treat gasoline-burning cars and trucks is a mistake. He's the CEO of Plug, which has an online marketplace that facilitates wholesale buying and selling of used EVs. He spoke with Jamie about how Plug hopes to change the entire nature of the used EV market. Jimmy Douglas, welcome to Daily Drive. Good morning. It's great to see you, Jamie. You just recently came out of stealth mode with your new company, Plug. Tell me about Plug and the problem it's trying to solve. Yeah, thank you. Plug is an online marketplace that facilitates the buying and selling of used electric vehicles among a network of dealers and fleet operators. And it's solving the problem that uh, electric vehicles are fundamentally different assets than combustion vehicles. However, the way that we buy and sell them today, both in a retail and wholesale context, is largely the same. And the primary difference is the information required to make a fully informed and confident uh, acquisition and pricing decision. For sure. Uh, there's a, a huge learning curve there. Part of what you're trying to do is address some inconsistencies in the market. That's right. By uh, sort of democratizing access to the information that's required for all participants to be confident about the decisions that they are making is enabling the market to become efficient. Because right now, one of the market's greatest inefficiencies is the asymmetric access to information, or in many cases, even knowing what information to look for. But uh, I think you were showing me some data. Some dealers are really proficient um, and turn used EVs really quickly, and others, they, they don't. Yeah, that's correct. The data is so interesting. Uh, there are over 8,000 dealers that have some form of used electric vehicle inventory. And uh, the vast majority of those dealers, 84%, only have one or two cars, but they're sitting on about half of the nation's inventory. Meanwhile, there's this very small group that I refer to as EV specialized dealers that account for about 3%, and they are accounting for about 30% of the sales across the entire market. And one of the ways that they're accomplishing that is their sales pacing is about 40% faster than the average. So the small number of dealerships with all this uh, success, did that just come from, you know, they're in the right markets or is it that, that their staff, you know, is are EV enthusiasts themselves? You don't always see in a lot of uh, dealerships. Great question. I've noticed three primary distinctions about EV specialized dealers. And the first is that EVs are ingrained in the entire culture of the store, as opposed to, for example, having one or two EV specialized people. And what I mean when I say that it's ingrained in their culture, it's that uh, anybody that you interact with as a customer can help uh, guide you through the journey of acquiring an EV for the first time, very largely while pulling from firsthand experience. They live and breathe these problems themselves. The second big difference is they are very proactive about acquiring used EV inventory. They didn't just happen to receive one as a trade-in. They went out of their way uh, to acquire it. And they did that with attention to detail and nuance. They knew exactly what they were acquiring when it came to battery and software and computer hardware related features. And they were very intentional about their inventory mix. And the last thing is how they think about pricing. Because EVs are still a fairly nascent uh, presence in the used car market, it only accounts for about 1%. 
pricing indexes can be informative, but the experts are really leaning on their own expertise within their own local market. So they're a lot more precise around pricing, both at the point of acquisition, but then uh, at the point of retail sale, they will price the vehicles for velocity, which goes back to that 40% turn time improvement. And since an EV is more like a computer on wheels, selling them quickly is the key to successfully making money while doing so. I guess uh, even maybe even faster than other vehicles, do they depreciate right on the lot? It's more volatile. Sometimes the depreciation is steeper and faster. Sometimes uh, it, it can go the other direction. But the key is that whatever change is going to take place, what we've witnessed, especially in these last couple of years, is the pace of change is much faster. You have a very interesting background in used EVs. Tell our audience what you used to do. Yeah. So uh, if you go far enough back uh, to the start of my career, you'll find me in a service drive at a Volkswagen dealer, moving cars and uh, shuffling parts back and forth and uh, doing whatever I could to make customers happy with their service experience, which led to me becoming a service advisor and eventually an internet salesperson before getting into my tech career. And I entered Tesla in 2018, where I spent five years in various operations uh, leadership roles, including heading up its North America uh, remarketing and used car division, as well as sales operations for the broader automotive business. And is that how you recognized this uh, opportunity in the market with the, the imbalance of information and, and performance among retailers? Absolutely. It gave me a front row seat into uh, the, the inefficient market that was really starting to emerge as the presence of used electric vehicles broadly across all makes was becoming more significant in the market. And I would just wish that uh, everybody could have uh, the same information that I would have if I were on either side of the transactions that I was witnessing. And this information all exists. It's all uh, on the cars themselves. So it's a matter of uh, intentionally harvesting that data, preserving it in its original format, and then presenting it in a way where it can actually be used to inform a confident transaction for uh, both sides of everyone. And uh, seeing that from the inside into a market that was becoming so big so quickly uh, gave me great conviction that uh, somebody should solve it. We haven't had a lot of guests on Daily Drive who worked at Tesla. Uh, is there anything in particular you feel like you learned from working for Elon Musk or in that culture as it was, you know, starting up and become not a startup when you joined, but becoming so big and still growing so fast? Yeah, we could write a whole book on it. Uh, <laughs> I would say the most profound and important one to me is uh, what it means to build any company or stack of companies uh, with mission statements that people can really rally behind. And if you think about Tesla's mission to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy and how they recruit people with attention to their conviction for that mission, it makes a lot of sense that uh, they've uh, been as successful as they have. And you could ask that same question about many companies that have uh, similar uh, ranks within the leadership. And it's also how I'm thinking about building Plug. We should only be uh, working uh, alongside uh, members of this team who have great conviction for solving these problems because that's the true driving force behind what we do. And that makes us uh, capable of doing a lot more than what we think we can. The Inflation Reduction Act offers incentives for used EVs that cost $25,000 or less, and they also have some income caps and things. Is there much of a market for that? Is there any supply? Is there availability of used EVs in that price range? 
Yeah, absolutely. And next year, it's going to be much bigger. Uh, one of the ironic uh, aspects of the Inflation Reduction Act is that the incentives that are available uh, on new inventory also has uh, ripple effects on the pricing of used inventory. And uh, when you're at the point where you can take a, a $7,500 tax deduction on the hood, if you will, when you're buying a brand new car uh, next year, uh, for many buyers, uh, those who, who qualify, uh, they'll be comparing the price of a new car net of a tax credit compared to the price of a used car. And suddenly that used car needs to be cheaper comparatively than it once did. So I, I, I'm actually pretty excited to see uh, a much broader set of inventory become accessible to customers within that price point, because that's how we can really drive mainstream adoption uh, and make it beyond the early adopter part of the curve. Given we are so early in the curve, do you have a vision? How do you see the used EV market evolving over the next 5, 10, 15 years? We're in such an interesting time for technological innovation. And one of the most difficult aspects of the used EV market will be how to maintain access to the right information and then use it to your advantage. And I liken uh, expertise on the entire used EV lineup a few years down the road to what it would take today to be a subject matter expert on every Android phone that's ever existed. It's going to be complicated and uh, vehicles that are less than a year old will probably be orders of magnitude greater than vehicles that are three to five years old because things are changing so fast. So it's an amazing opportunity for more people to become EV adopters and for more vehicles to enter the broader lineups. But I think a few years in the future, what will look entirely different is the, the data-driven approach to sizing up a vehicle and its options and its value will fundamentally change because now we'll be looking at things like software that's included with the car, the state of health of a high-voltage battery pack, what computer hardware was included, which is entirely different from how we generally think about used cars today. Jimmy Douglas, CEO of Plug, thank you for joining me today on Daily Drive. It's my pleasure. Thanks, Jamie. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jake Neer, in for Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News journalists C.J. Moore and Gail Howe for their reporting for today's podcast. We also had reporting from David Kennedy of our sibling publication, Automotive News Canada. You can get the latest news on contract talks, retail, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.